Come gather round the campfire and hear our ghostly tales of chilling terrors, darkest woes, and anything that goes bump in the night. So cuddle up with your best friend or dare it alone. The darkness is closing in and spirits are calling your name. This is Fireside Phantoms. So the McMiniman family um, are from the Pacific Northwest, and a couple of the brothers got together, and they started to open up restaurants and bars up here in the Pacific Northwest. But over time, what they started to do was they bought old buildings that were going to be torn down by the city. That's right. A lot of these were historical buildings. A lot of people that live in Oregon and Washington, which is where all the McMiniman establishments are, really appreciate this about them, is what they'll do is they'll go into an old building, like an old school or an old church, um, an old mission theater, whatever it is, and they will retain the historical relevance of that building. They'll just clean up the building, they'll get it up to par, and then they'll turn it into a restaurant or a hotel or a pub or a movie theater, but they will keep a lot of the things that were in the building and why it's historically relevant to the area. So it's so cool. Like, for example, we have the Kennedy School here, which used to be a school that was going to be torn down until the McMiniman brothers stepped in and bought it and refurbished it, and now it's a hotel. It has a pool. It has a couple of restaurants. It has a theater. Um, it's a whole event space, but they've also kept things like the desks that the students would sit in. Some of their books that used to study out of, their chalkboards and their lockers. And so they retain all of that. And besides that, they have artists on staff that go through and they paint imagery of the people that used to live in those areas or frequent those buildings. They take old photos, they blow them up, they hang them on the walls of the people that used to go to those buildings and reside in them or go to school in them, uh, whatever it was. So they really have an eye for, for retaining the historical value of a property. So even if you have a school in your town and it's going to be torn down, they would step in and save the school. You can still go back there and remember what it was to be a kid in that school, but then you can get a cheeseburger and a beer while you're there. That's right. <laughs> so the main things, I, in my opinion, the main things that McMinimans stands for are ambiance and alcohol. Those oh, yeah. are the two biggest earmarks of that brand. So whenever you go to one of their properties, you're going to have great ambiance and you're going to have plenty to drink. And that's and good what, food and too. good food. They have good food. For the most part, everyone who lives up here knows exactly what you're talking about when you say, let's go to McMinimins. The only thing you have to do is specify which one because they're like Starbucks. There's one on every corner. <laughs> right. And the hotels are very affordable too. Yeah. They're like a third of what you pay at a regular hotel. And the really art. Are. The art mm -hmm. that they have is very specific. Like you mm -hmm. can look at their art and kind of tell, oh yeah, obviously a McMiniman artist did that. Like exactly, you know, it's very hippie and it's very Pacific Northwesty. For anyone who is not familiar with this area or the McMiniman family, that is who they are. So Carol, yes, and all of their buildings are haunted. Well, the historical buildings are haunted because, yeah. let's face it, they've been around for a while, so they That's come right. attached with ghosts and spirits, and the McMiniman brothers kind of embrace that. And that's why we are 
tonight going to focus on a couple of the properties that are reportedly very haunted. Very haunted. One of the buildings I'm going to talk about is very haunted. And this haunted building is in Portland. It's called the White Eagle Saloon. Awesome. And it was purchased by the McMinimans back in 1997. Cool. They did save this building from being demolished. And um, originally it was built in 1905 by two Polish immigrants, Barney Sobolewski and William Hertz. The White Eagle is a two-story red brick building advertised as a gathering place for drink and food, a game of pool, and cigars. Right and on. the brothers spared no expense. They put in this fancy mahogany handcrafted bar made in Europe and this beautiful high backdrop mirror, hardwood floors, display cabinets, booths, and fixtures of polished brass. After an expansion on the building, a new beautiful tile floor was installed with a Native American motif. And today, that bar is still there. And a lot of the original cabinets and fixtures, even the cabinets, they keep all the original stuff with them as much as possible. Yeah, it's so cool. I love that, that they do that. The owners decided to name the saloon after White Eagle, which is found on the Polish flag. And the White Eagle Saloon, along with 11 other saloons in the area, were incredibly popular among sailors and the industrial workers of Portland. So this was located right up from the waterfront, and it was a really rough neighborhood. Portland itself was not for the faint of heart. You actually had to be a tough soul to live here. Yeah, you still do. <laughs> yeah. The street, yeah. The streets had lots of recent arrivals from Europe and other countries, and some were hired to work on the docks, the railroad, and the neighboring factories and mills. After their work shift ended, the streets were oftentimes crowded with gangs of tired men walking together to find a bar to unwind. And this bar gave away free sandwiches for a short time in order to attract the local patrons because of all the stiff competition. Ooh. Since there was, you know, all these other establishments competing for the same attention in the area. Huh. Free, free sandwiches is a pretty good deal. Yeah, I like yeah. that. But it seemed, for whatever reason, after a time, their modes for attracting clientele took a very dark, dark turn. Uh-oh. <laughs> rumors started circulating. They're that selling you, meth. <laughs> yeah. Rumors were circulating that if you had the right connections, the patrons could be ushered into an opium den below uh. the bar for some high-stakes gambling, or they could escape upstairs to rent one or two rooms operating as a brothel. Yeah, they did. Another scary aspect to the place was a tunnel connecting the basement to an underground network of other tunnels, all leading to the waterfront of the Willamette River. It was said unlucky losers of card games or drunk enemies were sometimes sold or shanghaied when the ship crews needed extra men. Being a crewman on these ships were, was really tough work, and a lot of times the minute the docks would, you know, the ships would pull into the docks, all their crewmen would just disappear and run away. And then they'd have to get new men to work these ships because they were just an awful, awful job. So the men that were on the ships when they docked would take off. Is that, were they Shanghai from other cities and they were escaping or were they just on a ship that they hated these jobs and they wanted to off? That is a very, very good question. Or maybe it's I, a mixture of both. It might be. All that I read, though, is just that it was just tough work. So they just didn't stick around. They could only put up with it for a short period of time. And then they wanted to look look for something else to do. 
Yeah, I know Portland was well known, and I think San Francisco was too, for Shanghai tunneling, where you would be at a bar, having a beer, getting drunk, having a good time, and the next thing you know, you wake up on a ship and someone's handing you a mop and saying, get to work, because you pass out, you fall through the trap door underneath your bar stool, some guys take you out to a ship through the tunnels, sell you off as a slave, and then you're on your way. That's like, right. Yeah. <laughs> Say yeah, goodbye. Up. Nobody will ever see you again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was people would be on ships for like a year or two. Like they'd be totally out of there. I mean, I can't even imagine. It's awful. Glad yeah. that ended. Yeah. Well, did it. <laughs> <laughs> so this place itself was so notorious for the rough crowd that attended and fights occurred nightly. There used to be a trolley that would stop at all the establishments along the street. And when it would pause before the White Eagle, the driver would yell out, next stop, bucket of blood. The bar, <laughs> isn't that a great name? That's a great name. The bar had a cement trough that ran alongside of the front of the bar on the floor and out to the streets. The workers would then splash buckets of water to clean out the trough that ran along the floor to prep for the upcoming day of patrons. The nickname Bucket of Blood stuck because the sight of these buckets dumping out blood and water was so common. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> even during, yeah, even during prohibition, when the bar was supposedly turned into an ice cream shop, the nefarious upstairs brothel and back rooms and basement were still in operation. Did you say where the blood came from? Uh, the fighting. Oh, there from were all the fights fighting occurring okay. nightly. Oh, the nightly fights. There were nightly okay. fights, stabbings. Um, oh, it was just brutal, and that trough would get filled with blood oh my every gosh. night. Could and you so imagine they'd have to rinse it clean? Yeah. Wow. It was for it was for pee too, I think, right? And they Whatever. would pee too. Tobacco Whatever spit. was in there and yeah. throw up. Yeah, yeah, throw up. It was oh. everything. It was a catch. -all. all the fun body fluids got mm -hmm. in there. Yeah, they the best ones. It bucket of yuck. <laughs> Bucket of yuck. <laughs> what about poo? Of course, with all this history of violence and raw emotion, it's no surprise the place is incredibly haunted. So now for the ghost stories, Holly. Let's talk about Sam. Okay, let's talk about Sam. He's the most commonly seen ghost. He was an orphan at age 10 who was taken pity on by the owner, and he was allowed to live upstairs, work as a barkeep, and grew up living his whole life in the hotel. It said he died in room two, and guests report seeing him in the hallway and the room. And yes, he was a little gropey. They felt him touch them with cold, cold hands. Oh, he's, see? Yeah. Knew it. He, he's also <laughs> been accused of flushing the toilet in the main floor restroom. Getting rid of his drugs. Right. And making the toilet paper fly around the women's room. He was well-liked, though, and to this day, you can see a picture of him framed in the bar. You know, there are also several versions of a story that Sam fell in love with one of the prostitutes named Rose in the hotel and worked long and hard to save money in order to propose to her. It is said that when he proposed to her, she laughed at him and he got so enraged, he pulled out a gun and shot her and killed himself. Based on his personality that he was such a nice guy, there seems to be another story that might be more likely. Okay. It said that Rose fell in love with a patron of the bar instead, and that the bar manager heard her lover making plans to marry her and leave. Enraged that the owner would lose out on the extra revenue she brought to the bar and hotel, he barged in on them in her room, and a fight broke out. 
which ended in all three of them losing their lives. So that's oh, wow. like a different version of the story. And people say that, you know, in that version, Sam lived his entire life in the hotel and actually just died as an old man in the hotel. Huh. So, um, you know, just kind of a different version on the same story. Right. There could be a couple of different possibilities there mm -hmm. with those characters. Huh. Right. But many visitors and staff say they do hear a woman crying in the hotel and screaming uh, coming from a closet in room two. That's Some me. I like to hang out in that closet <laughs> and scream. It's just a good therapy for myself. I go there on the weekends and I just rent the room and I hide in the closet and other people come in and I just freak out. Some think it is Rose crying over her lost love. Sam is also said to be seen walking down the hallway and he likes to turn on the faucets in rooms and flush the toilets. Other rooms in the bar are also reportedly haunted. Staff members say that a sinister ghost haunts the basement. The story goes that a mean bouncer was hated by the staff and some patrons and that one night he was drugged, dragged down to the basement and shanghaied by his enemies, never to be seen or heard from again. Bye. Yep. Bye-bye, you meanie. <laughs> <laughs> a server once reported that she was roughly shoved down the stairs by an invisible entity, and he actually gave her minor injuries. Oh, wow. That's pretty hardcore. Freezers down in the basement still open and slam shut on their own, and strange noises can also be heard down there. Another hmm. crazy story involved a waitress who was carrying out a customer's order. As she went to set it on the table, the plates of food just flew out of her hand by an invisible entity. And I love this. Coins will just randomly fall down from the ceiling and also appear on the floor, especially by the office used presently in the building. So they just materialize in thin air and fall out of the ceiling? Yeah. Isn't wow. that awesome? That is awesome. I go in there sometime and with like look up looking up and trying to catch some money. I know. At me. I kept thinking maybe Sam is collecting coins for his fair share of rent. <laughs> <laughs> maybe since he, he is. still haunts the place. Yeah. Huh. And there's also reports of flying cutlery in the kitchen. What's oh, the wow. what's the deal with ghosts and flying cutlery? Well, it's sharp, right? It can cut you. So then maybe that's their way of trying to kill you is by like building up enough of their energy to flip a knife at you. Yeah, and I think it's noisy. So it gets a, gets your attention. Why you know, don't the knives why don't, flying around. Why don't they rattle chains anymore and go, ooh, like you don't hear any ghost stories where they're rattling chains and they're saying, ooh. Yeah, because... I think when the whole chain rattling thing was only very popular when they were locked up in dungeons and that oh. doesn't happen anymore. I guess it doesn't. Besides that, there's lots of groping of patrons and staff, but hey, you know, it's a bar and that can happen anywhere with a live band that plays until 2 a.m. Maybe I should hang out there. <laughs> You'd <laughs> fit right kind of in, fun Molly. And kind of interesting. Is that a real person's hand on my boob or is that just a ghost hand on my boob? I don't know. <laughs> and you'll never know. <laughs> you'll turn know. around and he'll be like, I swear it wasn't me. It wasn't well, me. It was, the, it was the ghost. I'll be like, oh, that's true. I believe in the ghost. So you're right. You're off the hook, mister. And then he'll say his name is Casper. He's the friendly ghost. <laughs> Overly friendly. Not socially well, distancing. Because of the paranormal activity, though, the 11 hotel rooms were not rented out for many years. 
So it's definitely haunted. And just recently, they were renovated and reopened as a low-cost place to stay because apparently haunted ghost rooms now are in high demand. <laughs> it's become in fashion to go and stay at a haunted hotel. Would you ever do that? Would you stay in a haunted room? Oh, yeah. Totally. I don't think I would. I think I'd be too freaked out. Really? I think that just the psychological part of it would make me too uneasy. Holly, you already stayed in a haunted hotel room. I did. Yeah. It was just on our first episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But here's the thing. I didn't know that was haunted. See, if I oh. know it's haunted before I go into it, then I'll have yeah. a problem. But I didn't know that was haunted until I woke up and saw that weird ghost. Would you ever go back? No. Yeah. Okay. So that's the difference for you. Yeah. If you know I don't want to know. I don't want to know if it's haunted. I just want to go to bed and go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Well, many, many say that when they visit and stay there, the windows and closet doors will just open and shut on their own. And I found some good first person travel log reports to share of hauntings. Cool. I love those. This one was reviewed April 18th, 2017. And this is a really good one. She says, Excellent, but haunted. We recently stayed two nights at the White Eagle Saloon in Portland. One night on the way down to San Francisco, and one night we stayed on our way back. I want to start by saying that the barn hotel are beautiful and the price is right, but we now believe the hotel is haunted. Yeah. We are very logical people, and we hadn't read anything about the hotel being haunted when we booked it. Our first night in room one was wonderful and uneventful, but our second night in room three was downright scary. Mm. We had just gotten in from a brutal 10-hour drive and went straight to bed. We were lying in bed trying to fall asleep, and the bed started moving up and down for no reason. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely had a brothel room. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. We tried to rationalize that it was probably just due to the bar below, but it felt really creepy. Hmm. My boyfriend proceeded to fall asleep, but I was a little rattled and couldn't sleep. And I kept feeling like something was tickling my toes. No, 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 no. No tickling is just odd uh -uh. of all things. Uh -uh. I eventually fell asleep too, and in the morning we were abruptly woken by what felt like an object hitting the bed very strongly from below. We were both so freaked out that my boyfriend was looking under the bed. When we got up, we also found that the water in the sink was running. My boyfriend felt there was something in the room that just wanted us to leave, and so that's what we did. No shower, no nothing. We hightailed it out of there. It wasn't until today that we read many articles about the hotel being haunted. It's too bad because we love the place and the price was right, but we won't be able to do another night there. If you do choose to stay, don't stay in room three. It would be fun to reach out to those people and be like, hey, we want to interview you about your experience. I don't know. I think it would be kind of interesting to talk to the the people that have stayed in those rooms and had those experiences, like, you know, just kind of really getting a good idea on how to capture the vibe of their experience. I mean, obviously the review tells us that, but I would love to ask more questions, you know. Definitely, because, you know, a lot of times when they're writing a review, it's just the bare minimum. They just, a lot of people, sure. they don't, they're not great writers maybe, so they just write a few words and they're not they don't very go descriptive. Into level of detail that I would, yeah, yeah. 
Huh. Well, that's great, though. It's a very interesting story. Mm -hmm. And the fact that she's like, we're not ghost believers before we stayed there. And now we're like, whoa. Right. <laughs> yeah. And somebody, cool. yeah, somebody responded to her and said, you know, my mom was a housekeeper there from 2008 to 2012-ish and has stories mostly about Sam mm -hmm. going oh. up and down the hall checking on things. Huh. And then this one uh, was from a guest, Stephanie Rodriguez, and she said, I stayed there a while back. We were in the room at the end of the hall, and we were the only guests. We heard running up and down the hall all night. There was laughing and banging in one of the other rooms, and also hmm. the faucet just turned on in our room. It woke huh. me up. There was just water coming out of the sink. Crazy night. More running water. Mm-hmm. Huh. And then Andrea B. wrote, my husband met a little bitty ghost in the hallway while we were staying in one of the rooms. <laughs> a little at, ghost. And this was at the front of the building. So those are just some of the uh, few little ones I saw while I was scrolling through. Um, That's great. Those so if you're, if you're up for a fun haunted hotel with uh, the right price, go check out the White Eagle. Do it. Come they to got, Portland yeah, on they got, night and go stay they, at the White Eagle Saloon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they usually have a live band on the weekends and it can get pretty late. So if you're trying to get a quiet night's sleep, maybe not the hotel for you. But if you're into the late night music and you don't mind um, a ghost, it's perfect. You know, it's also a very Portlandy place to stay. So if you're from out of town and you really want to have like a true Portland experience, I would say the White Eagle would be a really great place to kind of have that. You know, I think so too. Yeah. If you are local to Portland or visiting, the White Eagle presents Spirits of Stumptown, where historian and paranormal investigator Rocky Smith does a whole series on paranormal activity in Portland. McMinimins also has something called the Paranormal Pub. So I think it used to be the last Sunday of every month, and now it's like the first Monday of every month, I think. Um, where people can come and they will have a different paranormal topic each month. I went to a paranormal pub at the beginning of the year that Rocky did at the Kennedy School, and he talked about ghosts of McMinimums, and he talked about all the different properties they own and all the ghost stories related to each of those properties. It was really pretty good. It was a great presentation, and it was a packed house. It was totally sold out. Small Town Secrets is a podcast that explores the secrets and strangeness of small towns across the globe, be it paranormal, true crime, or just plain weird. Every town has a secret. What is yours? Do you have a story to share of a town that you've lived in? Then head over to stscast.com and use the submission form at the bottom of the page. And it might end up on the show. You can follow the show on Twitter and Facebook at STScast. Available now, wherever you get your podcast. To your White Eagle Saloon, I did McMinniman's Edgefield. Yes. I did Edgefield because the I used to work there a couple of years ago. I worked there. So I feel, I guess, more bonded to Edgefield than I do any of the other McMinim McMinimans because of that. McMinimans. 
Edgefield is located in a small town east of Portland, about 20 minutes, called Troutdale. And it's on a plot of farmland. So they've got some acreage out there and they've got a whole bunch of a whole bunch of stuff. There's an old building out there that they converted into a hundred room hotel. There is a concert venue. There is a spa, which is where I worked as a massage therapist. Behind the spa is a heated saltwater snake-shaped soaking pool, which Ooh. makes it very popular. A lot of people like to come and uh, hang out in the soaking pool. Are clothes required? Yes. Oh, okay. They do not let you go naked, at least not that I'm aware of. Yeah. Okay. It's after so hours, maybe. Uh, <laughs> this is Portland, but it's not that weird. <laughs> right. Okay. There's bars, bars, and more bars all over the property. There's a winery. There's a distillery. There is a garden, which the restaurants use to get their produce from. There's a pool hall. And there are multiple buildings all over the property for events such as weddings, meetings, reunions, that type of thing. There's a golf course. There's a movie theater. There's a glass blowing shop. There's souvenir shops. I mean, they've got everything. I, yeah, I remember, there's even there's even a cigar little house. There's a cigar house. You can go get your cigar, smoke a cigar. Yeah, I mean, they have so much stuff there. And people used to call it the adult Disneyland. Like mm -hmm. people loved going there. And in fact, when I was working there at the spa, I remember this one time this couple came in. They were from California and they were telling me they, they came in to get a couple's massage and they brought another couple with them who was in another room. And they were telling me and the other massage therapist that they come up to Edgefield every year um, for uh, just to hang out and stay on the property. And I say to them, oh, have you ever gone to Multnomah Falls, which is the biggest tourist attraction Oregon has. It's about half an hour down the road from Edgefield. And they're like, no, what is that? And I said, well, it's this this two mile waterfall it's like a well it's two miles to the top but it's a, this big waterfall it's been photographed a shit ton you know it's it's really beautiful and lots of people come to Oregon to go see Multnomah Falls and they were like no we've never been they're like why would we ever leave Edgefield <laughs> <laughs> and I was like I guess you wouldn't need to but it is like a big tourist attraction so I thought that was kind of funny because Edgefield really does have a mystique to it plus the concert venue tends to attract a lot of pretty decent artists like Cheryl Crow's played there I um, saw her yeah Florence and the Machine um uh Steve Martin's been there um Willie Nelson's been there Alison Krauss Led Zeppelin like they get a lot of big names so the the great thing about Edgefield too is a lot of people come they don't buy concert tickets but they can still hear the music so mm -hmm. they'll go into the hotel they'll buy themselves a bottle of wine they'll go back out onto the porch they'll drink their wine and they'll listen to the music because you don't actually have to get into the concert venue to be able to hear it because it's an outdoor concert venue right so it's really popular the spa that i actually worked in was a place where they kept prostitutes during world war one to make sure that they did not infect the departing soldiers with any kind of STDs <laughs> oh. because then the, the soldiers would be too sick to fight in the war. So they collected all these prostitutes from Portland and they put them out in Troutdale in this house, which is now the Edgefield Spa, which I think is kind of interesting. <laughs> wow. The building, the hotel part of the building, which is massive, started out as a poor farm for families in about 1911 is about when it was built. Basically, a poor farm is um, something that got established in communities where people who were poor 
or sick would be collected and they would be put into these buildings and then they were given the tools to go and farm for themselves. So they'd have to grow their own food to survive. And those people who were healthy enough to work the land also had to take care of the sick people that could not do anything. So basically it was just a place where they put poor people to help them to survive for themselves. That's how they dealt with the poor and the sick until that um, the Social Security Act came into being in 1935. So I think it was pretty popular from 1911, which is when they built the poor farm, to about 1935. Obviously, that captured some of the Great Depression people, and that's when the poor farm had its biggest population. It was in 1934. There were 700 people living there. So the building eventually became a nursing home and also an institution for mentally ill kids. Eventually, the majority of the people living in Edgefield passed away, and the remaining residents were moved to other places in 1982. After 1982, the building was abandoned by all residents um, and it fell into disrepair. The county decided that they wanted to destroy the building and sell the land that it was sitting on, but the community was not for that. They stopped any idea of that moving forward. And in 1990, in the early 1990s, Edgefield became a historic landmark. Soon after that, the McMiniman brothers bought the property and restored the main building, as well as the buildings around it. So I remember when this happened because the McMenamin brothers had to go in and clean that building out because it was filled with asbestos. And um, it was very expensive, but that's what the material was they used to make that building in the first place. So they had to clean all of that out so it would become um, something they could use for patrons, hotel patrons, because they turned the building into a hotel and restaurant and lots and lots and lots of bars. <laughs> Also, another little side story, uh, in September of 2019, um, there was a drunk guest who was decided to jump up and grab the water pipes that were exposed from the ceiling and dangled on them and broke the water main and it flooded the first couple of floors of Edgefield and they it had to happened. remove... Yeah. Yeah, they had to remove 200 guests from the property for the night. But in McMiniman's marketing genius, they, a couple months later in February, they had an after the flood party and they invited all their customers back to have wine tasting, beer tasting, coffee and spirit tasting. They had a cake. They had um, they had an ability for people to meet the artists of McMiniman's and to get a histor historical tour of the property. So they really made it up to them. Yeah, basically they were trying to take something that probably cost them a lot of money and um, make more money off of it. <laughs> so why is this property haunted? Well, why is this property haunted, Holly? Carol, thank you for asking. That was great. It's had a lot of people pass through it over the years. It's also over 100 years old. So it's got a lot of history um, enveloped in its walls. When they started to renovate the building, they went into room 215, and when they went in there, they found some animal bones that were in the shape of a pentagram on the floor. So this kind of wigged them out a little bit. So the brothers had the room cleansed, but they had it done McMiniman style, which meant they brought in a bagpiper to play some <laughs> tunes. They burned some incense, and they sang fun songs. So you know that room is still very much haunted. <laughs> There's some creepy things that they found. I think they found like candles and all the things you would want for, you know, talking to the Satan. <laughs> you know, 
in McMinimums. So yeah, so what they did is they threw a bagpiper at it and some fun songs and they burned some incense and said, yeah, it's, it's fine. People can spend the night here now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But unfortunately for them, um, a lot of people have had very bad experiences in room 215. Um, despite the number of times they've painted over the pentagram, because I think there was also a pentagram painted on the floor. Right. It, it bleeds through constantly Ooh. through the paint. It continuously bleeds through. Many people who've stayed in the room would leave in the middle of the night. It is also rumored that there are many unmarked graves on the property because a lot of people died there. There was a lot mm -hmm. of sick people there that passed away and then they would just bury them. And back in those days, I don't think it was that important to mark graves. They just threw them in there and buried them and said, don't garden over there. You might dig up Betty's bones or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, One of the hauntings is said that there's a woman and her child buried on the property. The child had died of chickenpox. People can hear the woman at night trying to calm her upset baby, and they hear her singing nursery songs to it. People have reported being pushed downstairs. They've heard whispers. They've been tapped on the shoulders by elderly women. Children are seen racing down the hallways or are heard laughing when there are no kids around. People get their hair yanked, their butts grabbed, etc. So there's some frisky ghosts that hang yeah, out. There's some groping going on there too. There sure is. There's also a story that there is a phantom dog, and it is said that he will stick his wet nose into people's faces, and they can hear him clicking his little toenails down the floor as he runs Aww. down the floor, down the hall. I would like to see that ghost. I know, cute, right? There's a phantom janitor who has been seen on the property, and he wears an old uniform from another time. When he was asked by one guest where the bathroom was, he gave her directions to the bathroom, but the bathroom was not where he said. It's because he gave her directions to where the bathroom used to be years ago. Whoa. That is so creepy. So that that's wonderful proof, isn't it? Yeah, right? Because to him, that's where the bathroom would have been if he was alive. And she would have had no way of knowing that unless right. she had the blueprints from yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was that's, really kind of cool. That's really awesome. Maids have complained at the hotel of having their ankles grabbed at the foot of the beds. And the hotel guests have complained of that too. I wonder if it's just women with thick ankles or if it's just any <laughs> ankle. They didn't specify. I don't know. Clothes have been thrown around the rooms. Guests have complained of seeing dark figures in their rooms. One woman was shoved out of bed while she was sleeping. Whoa. Yeah, that's pretty intense. People hear footsteps in their room. They hear stuff hitting the floor, and when they turn on the lights, there is nothing there. Lights turn on and off by themselves as well. So a local community college, Mount Hood Community College, has a newspaper called The Advocate, and they did a story on Haunted Edgefield. They talked to one of the employees, her name was Allison Berliner, and she told them the following story. She said um, she saw a nurse in the hallway upstairs, and it was about 11 o'clock in the morning. She said she was just walking with a bucket, and she saw this 60s-styled woman uh, she could tell that she had a little hat on. She could tell she had pantyhose on. And that's how clear she was. She could see all those details. Wow. Um, she was just walking and you couldn't see keys, but it looked like she was holding keys. And she kind of turned and she looked like she was going to open a door. And then she just vanished. 
She said that this woman was obviously a nurse. There was another woman who said she felt watched in her room. She went down and got the manager, and after he searched her room, he found nothing. But just as he was leaving, they heard someone snarl, get out. Oh, <laughs> so no. The woman said she had to be moved to another room. Oh, my God. This is just a smattering of many, many stories at Haunted Edgefield. I know when I worked there, I didn't see anything, but I'm also don't really think that I'm much of a sensitive. Like, I don't think I've got necessarily, I mean, unless I really get back into meditating again, maybe I would be able to pick up on stuff. But I do know some of the massage therapists that I worked with did pick up on things and did tell me some stuff that they had seen, like a little girl running around and stuff like that. But yeah, but there's definitely, there's a lot of stories. And another thing that McMinimins does at their haunted locations, especially their hotels, is they have a ghost log kept at the front desk. And people can go up to the front desk and request the, the ghost That's log right. just yes. to read it or to write their own stories into it about what occurred to them when they were staying at the hotels. So Edgefield definitely has a ghost log that people can look at when they go there. And then you can choose the room you want to stay in based yeah. on the ghost logs. And I guess room 215 is very popular because of its reputation. A lot of people like to stay there. Is that the room that's called the Grace Room? Grace? Uh, the Amazing Grace Room. The yes. Amazing Grace Room. That's correct. Ah. That is Haunted McMinimins Edgefield. If you guys ever come up to Portland and you want to stay at either the White Eagle Saloon or Edgefield, there are different experiences. If you stay at the White Eagle, you'll be closer to downtown Portland. And if you stay at Edgefield, you're going to be on the fringe, but you're also going to be really close to the Columbia River Gorge, which is beautiful. A lot of people like to go out there and hike. There's wineries out there. You, you can actually go see Multnomah Falls if you so dare to leave Edgefield. <laughs> right. And so. uh, and the White Eagle Saloon, you're right by Mississippi Avenue with all those yeah. cute shops and you can yeah. get the Max train downtown. Yeah. So they're both great locations. And if you yeah. do go, tell them Holly and Carol sent you. From and that won't mean side. anything to them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be like, who? <laughs> I didn't do research on the McMinnons. McMinnons. <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't. Do okay, so you ready to hear some ghost stories? Let's do this. Yeah, Sam. Let's not do this. We got to come up with a new word. <laughs> so now for the ghost stories, Holly. Are you ready for this? I'm ready for this. Let's do awesome. it. Awesome. No, let's not do it. <laughs> Am I supposed to not say let's do it? So now for the ghost stories, Holly. Are you ready for this? Yes. Okay. <laughs> now you sound scared. I am. And he got so enraged, he pulled out a gun, killed himself and her. But actually, wait, wait, it's in it the order. opposite order. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually went to the one he did about all the different McMinimins. 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 I want some M&Ms from McMinimins. Specifically uh, focusing on the McMinimins buildings. Cool. That's <laughs> all you got to say. You guys, we are so out of it. <laughs> you guys. Um, he did a, a presentation the, the earlier. I'm going to say that again. He went to a ghost story. No, fuck that. 
people can hear the woman at night trying to calm her upset baby and singing nursery. Nur God damn it. The lights turn on. God fucking damn it. I'm not doing that again. Sorry. I just can't. I, can't. I don't understand why it's so important to my mouth to talk so fast. I don't understand. As the flames die down, do remain undaunted. Though all hitchhikers are ghosts and all dolls are definitely haunted. Hey guys, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Fireside Phantoms. If you have a spooky story you would like to share with us, send it to firesidephantoms at gmail.com and you may hear it on a future episode.